Well, I know that Phil is excited to watch the uh, Washington Commanders lose today, but as a, as a Bengals fan, it's Steelers week. So if, if you're rooting for, uh, for the Bengals, man, you know that today 1 o'clock is going to be a big day. So let's, let's see it. Who day, baby? We're, we're ready for that. But we're, we're excited that you're here, that you made a little time before you go watch some games this afternoon. Glad you, you're uh, worshiping with us. Uh, you know, and I love when we get the opportunity to celebrate people's lives, when God is doing great things. And, and uh, it seems like every week we get to celebrate another person or two that's taking that big step for Jesus. And today I wanted to just give it up and uh, celebrate a couple of ladies. Number one is Gina Miller, who gave her life to Christ uh, this past week. That's Gina. So give it up for her. As well as Melissa Davis, who also took that step. So celebrate with her as well. Just, uh, just exciting stuff. I just never gets old. It never gets old. I wanted to, before we dive in today, we're, we're, con- we're going to finish this series up. We've been in for the last four weeks called The Forgotten Ways. But before we do, I wanted to give you a quick little update of just some things happening around here uh, to kind of kind of let you guys know. We, we've had some things that we're, we're, uh, we've been, some like maintenance, you know, facility issues that we've been planning to take care of for quite some time. Then the pandemic kind of slowed things down a bit, but we've been able to get back on track. Uh, one of the things I'm sure you've noticed, uh, a month or so ago, we uh, replaced all the sanctuary lighting in here, and that was a big job, a lot of hard work. Uh, and through that, because of a lot of, of your guys and ingenuity and, and really working through that process, we were able to save about $16,000 uh, getting that done, which was really <laughs> fantastic. This past week, uh, uh, I, I made my microphone maybe just a little bit loud, uh, but this past week, uh, we have had an issue for years in the Family Life Center with some uh, moisture problems, water coming in, seeping in some of the block walls from the outside and causing a lot of problems in there, and so we've been needing to take care of that for a while. This past week, we were able to get that done and uh, all that stuff sealed up and the exterior and the back two walls painted uh, so that there'll be no more moisture coming in and, and we'll be able to attack the inside now. The next thing that's going to happen in the next four to five weeks is all of the soffit on the outside of the building. I mean, it's not super exciting stuff, but you notice when it looks terrible like it does right now. Uh, but all the soffit's going to be replaced and wrapped in uh, vinyl and metal, and so it'll be good forever. We've been needing to do that, but uh, that's getting ready to start in about a month. Uh, those things are, and also if you've been down in the Gene Snyder, you may have noticed that our signage on the, the Family Life Center says it's missing a couple of letters in Fair Ale Christian Urch or whatever it says up there. Uh, so so uh, we're, we're getting ready to get that replaced as well. Those, those projects are costing us somewhere in the neighborhood of between thirty dollars and $40,000. And the next big thing, I mean, those are nothing super fun or exciting about those things, but needed to be done. But the next big thing for us is our student ministry space. As a lot of you know, we, we're in the process of looking for a new student pastor, and somebody's going to take that thing to the next level, which is doing awesome. J.R. Horn's been serving in the interim. We've got you know, 30 to 50 middle school and high schoolers that are here every Sunday night, and it's really rocking and rolling. But our student ministry space, we renovated that about seven or eight years ago, and it's just kind of time. We've got furniture that's fallen apart and some things that need to happen over there to get it to the level of quality that shows we really love our students, that, that we really want to take care of them. And we run on a really thin margin around here. Uh, we're just not a church 
that's got a ton of money in the bank. Uh, I always say we're kind of we're kind of about a month or two from just going out of business if we if we didn't take an offering, you know. And so we run things really thin. We trust God. We try to be the best stewards of what we have. But the second half of the year is always really really crucial for us financially. Usually the second half of the year is is a better time, you know, sort of the first half of the year is a little light, but we usually make up for it in the second half of the year. All this stuff that we do, uh, we want you to know how grateful we are for your, for your generosity, but we also want to ask you, if you're looking to make a donation, to please keep the church in mind. Uh, we do have several things that we've just got to take care of, and God's done some really incredible work through us here. We know he's going to continue that. We know he's going to provide one way or the other through you guys. So we're, we're really grateful for that. We just ask you uh, to, to think about that and want to make you aware of the progress we're making and ask for your help. So thanks for your, your consideration there. Now, next week, we're going to start a new series. I, I'm, I'm so excited. I haven't been excited about a series like this in, in, a, in a while, probably six months. But we're going to call it Deeper Joy, and it's a deep dive through the book of Philippians. We're going verse by verse. We're going to cover the entire book of Philippians. And in your small groups, uh, we have written and developed ourselves the curriculum that's going along with that. We've got books that are being printed right now as we speak. They're going to be shipped here. It's all stuff we've done in-house. And so it's going to go right along with our messages. So if you are here on Sunday mornings and you're involved in a group, man, you're going you're to have such a grasp on Philippians. And, and here's what I know and, and believe is that it, it, it's life-changing. The letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi is so full of joy and in a world that we, you know, it seems like joy is so elusive, you know, how do, I, how do I find that contentment? How can I have that kind of peace in my life? I can't think of a better topic for us to, to cover. And so that's going to start next week. I'm really, really pumped about that. We've got the live group launch party tonight. I know about 100 of you are signed up for that. We're having Mark's Feed Store Cater. Uh, you know, it's free. You need to come. If you're not signed up, swing by Next Steps and talk to to Phil Miller or one of the volunteers out there, and uh, we're, just, we're just really stoked about that uh, tonight. But, but we, here, here's the deal for today. We, we looked at this passage of Scripture last week when we talked about uh, some, you know, some of the forgotten ways. What were the rhythms, what were the spiritual habits that the early church had, these people that were non-negotiable, it was part of their life, and we're just, we're just not as serious about it today, you know, things that maybe we, we're just not really into. And so last week we talked about uh, generosity and their devotion and how that has become a forgotten way for us. I want to look at that passage one last time as we look at something else that was so central to who they were. In Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many, many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, they met together in one place, and they shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, and all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, every day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. These people had such a great devotion to God and to the gospel. 
and, and to, to each other. They were radically generous. I mean, in a way that just would be mind-blowing for us today to think about, hey, I've got, you know, I've got a little bit of property, or hey, I've got a little bit of money, and I've got more than I need, and this person here doesn't have enough. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to give what I have to meet a need that's over here. I mean, we see that, but it almost seems like such a rare thing that it's, we're, we're amazed when we see that happen, and, and yet that was just who they were, it, and people were being reached. That was the, the, the end goal, the win, was that people were being reached in the name of Jesus, that they were being saved. Their life was being changed for eternity. That's what it says. Every day the Lord was adding to the fellowship those who were being saved. Every day people were giving their life to Christ, and it was because of these people. Because of the message that they continued to preach, because of the generosity they, they shared, the way they met in each other's homes and they took care of each other, and it was, it was irresistible. That ought to be our goal, too. Everything that we do, when you become a follower of Jesus, we are, we are called to be about the mission, which is to reach people who are far from God. That's what we do, that's who we are, that's what we need to be about. That Je- we know that Jesus came to serve and he came to rescue. And then he put us on the same task. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. Teaching, teaching them, loving them, serving them, baptizing them, all of those things. And here's the deal. When you think about it, you don't have to raise your hand or anything like that. I just want you to think to yourself, how many of us in this room, we know somebody, there is someone in our life at work or at school, at home, in our family, one of our neighbors, we know somebody who is in desperate need of the life-changing grace of Jesus Christ. Somebody that we know right now, boy, I, I, I don't know where that person is, but I sure would like for them to be in heaven one day, and right now I'm not so sure. If you are a follower of Jesus, if that is you, he said you're salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You're a city on a hill. Your calling, your mission, your obligation is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He told us to go into all the world to share the gospel. Peter, the apostle Peter said we ought to always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have in Christ. That I always know if somebody says, hey, why do you... Why do you follow Jesus that I'm ready with a response? I can tell you right now, this is why. This is what he's done for me. So if we, if we know that, right? And I'm not, tell, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. If we know that, though, here, here's the issue. Why are we so hesitant about it? Why does it seem like something that we just, I just can't do? You know, most of us probably, I mean, when was the last time that you really shared your faith? with another person. Why is that so hard? I can think of a few reasons uh, why, we're so, why we're so hesitant. One, I think it's because we're afraid. You know, it's intimidating. I feel that. I feel every bit of that. Over the years, I've been, in, I've been a part of different, you know, little, little projects. We've done, uh, like, prayer on the porch. So I was at a church one, one time that we would go out, you know, every so often and send out teams. Let's just go to people's front doors and knock on the door. And when they answer, just say, hey, we're with such and such church. And we just love to pray with you. Is there anything we can be praying about? And I'm going to confess. I'm going to make a big old ugly confession to you. I would stand on those front porches and I would pray before I knocked on the door. I said, Lord, please let nobody be home. <laughs> I said, I tried. I tried. I prayed over their house, you know. 
whatever. And why, why would it? Because I was, because it's nerve, it's nerve wracking. You know, I don't know who this person behind this door, they got a shotgun or, you know, it's, it's weird. It's hard. But that's, that's one reason I think. Another reason I think we're hesitant is we don't feel qualified. What if someone asks me a question? It's a hard one. And I'm not going to know the answer, and, and I'm going to look stupid. You know, I'm going to have to say, oh, I really don't know. And so, so that can be something that kind of keeps us from that. But I think another reason is we don't want to be pushy. Because we've all seen, we've all had the experience where you've seen the person on the side of the road or wherever you are holding up the big sign with, like, flames on it and, like, you're burning in hell, you know. And you think, oh, I don't want to be kind of categorized with that guy. I, I think I've probably told you this story, but some of you haven't heard it. Several years ago, my wife Megan and I were, uh, we, we, it was like an anniversary or something. We rented a hotel downtown. I think we were staying at the Seelbach, and uh, we had dinner reservations, and uh, it was within walking distance. And so we were leaving the hotel, going to where the restaurant was, and it was a Friday night, and so we were going to walk through uh, uh, 4th Street Live. And so we go up there, we're walking, and as we're approaching it, there's, there's these people with bullhorns and signs, and they looked right at and they're just saying, you know, hey, you guys, you're, you're terrible people or whatever, blah, blah. And, uh, and this guy looked right at me and Megan. He pointed at us with his bullhorn and says, you two, you're going to go straight to hell. And I thought, huh, I think he's got our number, Megan. I don't know. It's, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, we're busted, I guess. But, you know, we, nobody, nobody wants to be associated with that. And like, oh, that's, that's, that's weird. I, I don't get it, you know. But, but this is probably the, the fourth reason I can think why we're hesitant. Why is this, oh, you know, sharing my faith thing. Why does this make all my insecurities pop out? Or at least it, not even something that sounds appealing to me. And this is the saddest one, truthfully, because we're complacent. Because some of us, we say, you know what, I, I love Jesus. I'm going to heaven. So, sorry about you. For many of us, the idea of sharing our faith and sharing the hope that we have in Christ has become a forgotten way. And, and I just want to remind you and emphasize this morning that this is far too important to do that. It's far too important to let it go. And, and this is what I know. If, if you're going to do this. You, you don't need a degree. You don't have to be an expert. You don't need to have all the answers. What you do, the only thing that is required of you, the only thing that is required of you is that you care. If you care about lost people, if there's someone in your life at your work or your family or your neighbor or whatever, and you genuinely care for that person and say, man, I really want them to be in heaven with me someday, then you then God has promised that through the Holy Spirit you will have everything else you need. That's, that's the requirement, is that you care for them. That's it. That's why complacency, I think, is such, a, such an evil thing. But God has promised to give you everything that you need to be His ambassador in the world. And this is the thing that made the, really, the, the early Christians so unique in their lifestyle. And they were so effective at sharing the good news of Christ that was evidenced by their, their devotion and their generosity and their hospitality that they had for one another and for those around them. You know, Jesus, followers of Jesus, we ought to be known for our hospitality. That we are a type of people who say, hey, come, come, come share a little part of life with us. You know, how can we, how can we you know, show you that we care? How can we, how can we be those types of people? Because that is how God responds to us. He brought us into his family. 
And so I just want to give you a couple of practical things if you say, okay, I do care for people. I do care, but I don't know what to do. Here's some easy things, but powerful things that you can do, and we're going to see these in Scripture. First way you can share your faith, use what you have. Just use what, what do you have. This is the very first way that we see the gospel spread by a very unlikely person in the New Testament. It's a guy by the name of Levi. His name, sometimes he was called Levi, other times he was called Matthew. You may recognize that, the first book of the New Testament. But before he's writing this book of the New Testament, Levi, he was a, he was a tax collector. He was not well liked. He, he, was, he would have been considered a traitor in his culture and in his day. He was not a preacher. He had zero religious training. Uh, he, he wouldn't have known how to answer hard questions about following Jesus. He'd never, he'd never led a life group. He'd never served in children's ministry. The only thing that this guy knew how to do, he knew how to throw a party. And that's exactly what he does. He, he, uh, he, he gets out the grill. He put the big game on the flat screen. He hired a band. He sent out invitations. Guys, I'm smoking a brisket, and the fridge is stocked. Everybody, y'all come over, and we're going to have a good old time. I kind of modernized that story a little bit, but you get the gist. And this is what it says in Luke 5. It says that later, Levi, he held a banquet, big party, in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors, all these other scoundrels that nobody liked, and all these other guests, they also ate with them. But then the Pharisees, there we go. The Pharisees and the teachers of religious law, they complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. And they said, why do you eat and drink with such scum? And Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know that they're sinners and that they need to repent. It's good stuff. It's great stuff. Matthew or Levi, he, he, he just called all of his buddies together. Said, hey, I got, I got, I got something on the smoker. You, you guys come over and he invited them to a party. You know that one of the criticisms that the Pharisees made against Jesus? Like there were a lot of things that they said. You know, they accused him of being a fraud and, and all these. But one of the things that they leveled against him, that they accused him of, was being a glutton and a drunkard. Because Jesus ate and drank with people that they did not like. Uh, Matthew eleven nineteen, 19, Jesus called him out for that. He said, the son of man, on the other hand, yeah, I feast and drink. And you say, oh, he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by its results. Jesus spent time with people. That's what I'm trying to get to. He spent time with them. And in the same way, you can, have what, you can use what you have to reach those that you love. It's a great way to build that bridge. You have a grill, uh, then invite people over for a barbecue. You know, do, do you have season tickets? Then invite somebody to go to the game with you. Say, hey, we're going to tailgate beforehand, and why don't you come, let's go. You know, you, you got some extra time? Then, then invest in some relationships. Volunteer somewhere. You know, here's a wild, crazy idea. Go cut your neighbor's grass, and then when they say, hey, what... You know, why'd you do that? What do I owe you? Say, no, 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 I just, wanted, I just wanted to let you know that I'm so glad you're my neighbor. Like, I'm grateful for you. And just see if there's not power in that. See if that, if that doesn't make a difference. And that's what the heart of small groups is all about. It's just a group of people who get together just to share a little bit of their life. 
Not all of it. It's not like we're going to be in some commune or whatever. But hey, let's get together for a little bit and spend a little bit of time together so that we can all be encouraged. And, and we, we're going to pray for each other. We're going to eat together. And we're, we're, just going to rem- we're all going to remember that we've got friends in Christ that care about us. And so many of you guys do this, and you, you do this well. It's, it's awesome to watch. I, I love the stories of life change because you kept inviting someone over to your house for dinner or you, or you just, you know, there's somebody you just kept helping them work on their car or, you know, you just kept inviting them to be part of your Thanksgiving dinner. You say, we got an extra seat. We're, we got tons of food. You come over. Please come over. We want you over. Uh, my friend J.R. Horn and his wife Heather, they, they do this well. They, they live up the street from us. And I'll wander up there from time to time. And, and uh, while most people, you know, especially in our neighborhood, they all sit in the backyard. You know, everybody goes with the, with the privacy fences. And, you know, we just sit back there where you can just be in our own little world. They sit out on the front porch. And <clears throat> it's very intentional. When anybody, you know, we've got a lot of people who walk the sidewalks. And when anybody ever walks up the sidewalk and they're sitting out there, they, they don't let anybody go, go by without saying hi. I've seen JR interrupt conversations Phone calls, people walking their dog, talking to their puppy, and he's like, hey, 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 how are you? You know, he's just, I just want to say hi, and if you're ever around, just, we got extra seats. Come on, we'd love to get to know our neighbors, that sort of thing. And, and I, love, I love Halloween in our, in our neighborhood. It's so fun. I, I have way more fun than the kids have because, you know, we send the kids out to go, you know, go around and get candy or whatever, and we always sit in their driveway. We got a little fire going, and we're handing out candy to kids, and every family that comes by there, adults with kids, JR say, hey, you guys want a hot cup of apple cider? Why don't you stop by? We, you know, what's your name? I, just, just an intentional little neighborly hospitality and love. It's not that hard. But you just use what you have. And God can use you as you use what you have to reach people. Like Levi. You, you can be relational in your approach. So the second way you can reach people, again, just straight out of, I mean, just straight out of the New Testament... You can invite someone to church. Man, has that become a forgotten way? It's like COVID hit, now we're all afraid of each other. And we're afraid, oh, I don't know, I don't know how they're I don't know how they feel about everything. I don't know if I should invite them to church. And I was like, you know, it never hurts to ask. Never hurts to ask. John told a powerful story about a woman who had experienced a lot of hurts in her life, a lot of pain. We just know her as the woman at the well. We don't know a whole lot about her story other than she met Jesus. And he changed everything about her. And we, we'd say, you know, she was really the very first evangelist in history. It says he, Jesus offered her living water, a relationship that would change her life. And in, in John, the book of John tells us in chapter 4, verse 28, that that woman, after she'd met Jesus, she left her water jar beside the well and she ran back to the village. And she told everyone, you guys come and see. She's inviting them. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So it says that people came streaming from the village to see him. What did she do? She didn't preach a sermon. She didn't memorize a script. She wasn't worried about, if I, am I qualified or not? She, wouldn't, she wasn't too intimidated. She, she didn't lead anyone in a prayer. All she did is invited everyone, come and see a Savior who has changed my life. That was it. This is what he's done for me. You need to see this too. Now, a lot of you do that too, but, but I can think of a couple of people this past week that just kind of 
came to the top of my mind as I think about, man, who in our church have I seen that, that does this so well? One is, is Sarah Albro. Uh, some of you know Sarah. She, she works in our front office during the week, and she's just so involved here in getting things done. It is nothing for me to come in during the week and see Sarah on the telephone praying with someone that's called in and just kind of having a moment, you know. And then five minutes later, she'll be up on a ladder, like decorating something or changing a light bulb or whatever. It's like she's just, she's just kind of all everywhere. But one thing that she does a lot is she just invites people to come to church. She says, man, this has changed my life. You, you really need to see this. You really need to check this out. A lot of you are here today because Sarah invited you at the park or at the grocery store, or at, 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 the, you know, at the school function, or whatever else. We've seen so many families come here and meet Jesus because Sarah just said, hey, why don't you come to my church sometime? It's made a huge difference in my life, and I think it'll make a difference in your life too. The other person I was thinking about this week, there's a guy here named Rodney James. that He is in a very, very, very small and exclusive club of what we call charter members. Rodney James was here at the very first Sunday in 1965. He's been here ever since. I don't, I don't even know if there's anybody else here besides Rodney anymore that's that been here from day one. And Rodney, you would think somebody that's been here for the life of the church that over time, you know, maybe you're just not as enthusiastic, you know, about inviting people to come to your church. Rodney, he tells everybody he meets. He takes copies of my sermon. He's always like, can you print me off a copy of that sermon? Because I got a few people at work. I'm going to run off some copies. I, I want to give it to them. He went out. He went to a printer a few months ago, had business cards printed up that just say Fairdale Christian Church and when our service times are, and just had a whole box of them just so he could pass them out to coworkers and friends and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, that, that's what I'm talking about. Just the enthusiasm because it's born out of a desire for people to know Jesus. Because this is what he's done in my life. And you can do the same thing as you look around. You see people every day that are in need of the grace of God. You see someone in your class that's hurting and looking for comfort. You know, not to brag, but I'm going to totally brag. My, my kids, uh, they must have got it from their mom. They, they're, they're awesome. And they, they're, they can zero in on another kid. And they'll tell us stories like, oh, I saw this kid with his head down at lunch. So I went and sat by them. And, you know, before we know, we're talking about... Jesus and kind of having a little prayer together and I'm like you're doing it (laughs) like that's it that's it if I could just bottle that stuff you know that's what we that's what we do man that's that's what it looks like to follow Jesus you see someone you know in the in the gym you're working out you see somebody that's just discouraged and and in need of you know needing hope or you see someone in work it's searching for direction one invitation maybe all it takes to change a life you are the salt of the earth Jesus said You are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. God can use you to lead someone to Jesus. How will he do it? You can just use what you have. You can invite someone to come and see. And also you can share your story. I think people get intimidated by that. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I'm going to look at a really simple, very simple example of this. One time, Jesus healed a blind man. He did, Jesus did a lot of miracles that are recorded. Oh, one guy just healed him, and everybody knew that this guy was blind, and now he can see. And so obviously a lot of people, are, they've got questions, and there's a lot of skeptics that were criticizing him. And they say, no, Jesus, he's a con man. You know, he, he's, he's a sinner. 
And, and they, they're saying, who did this? Who did this? What happened? You know, they're just grilling him. And that, that healed man, he belted back in, in John 9, 25. He says, I don't know whether he's a sinner. The man replied, but this is what I know. I was blind and now I see. Just as simple as you can get. This is what Jesus did for me. You know, he told his story. And so it says that the skeptics fought back and they said, but what did he do? They asked, how did he heal you? And he said, look, I told you once. Don't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I love that. Just that simple. Just that simplistic. This is what Jesus has done for me. Every one of you have got a story of that. Let me tell you about how Jesus healed my marriage. I know you guys are headed for divorce. Let me tell you about what he did for us. Let me tell you about how Jesus restored a relationship between me and my kid. Let me tell you about how Jesus gave me hope. And when I was discouraged and depressed and I didn't know that I even wanted to live anymore, let me tell you about how he just like invaded my life with peace. And how I, the, the contentment that I have. There's no other explanation for it. Let me tell you about when I lost my mom. And I thought that there would and never be any hope again. I don't know how I'm going to ever get through this loss. The grief just seemed like a black hole that just enveloped me. But let me tell you about how Jesus brought me through that. And how I, I feel joy again. I still love and I still miss my mom. But let me tell you about how he's replaced that sorrow with hope. Well, I, don't, I don't know what your story is, but we've all got one. That's it. That's all it is. And somebody says, why would, you, why would you be into that Jesus stuff? Peter says, always be ready. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. What's yours? This is all rooted in hospitality. You know the word hospitality and hospital? Really similar words. And they are both rooted in care and attention. That's all it is. We, we, we make it way too complicated. We make it way too hard, but it's, it's the fact that I notice you, I see you, I care about you, and I really, really want you to be in heaven one day. That's it. That's, that's what's necessary. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. You use what you have, invite someone to church, share your story, and that's what I, that's what I love about, about the church is that no one has to be alone. We are in it together. We are walking through it together, and we want to see each other succeed and grow in our relationship with God. And so I, I'm glad you're here, and I hope that you will go deeper with us over the next eight weeks as we go through uh, Philippians. I hope you are in a small group because I know you're going to get so much from that series. I think it'll change your life. And, uh, and I hope that you'll bring someone along with you for the ride. Well, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you today that you are, that you are the ultimate example of hospitality. And while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. He sacrificed so that we could be part of your family, we can be brought into the family of God. And I know, Lord, and your word reminds us that it's not because of anything that we did. That this grace, it's not something that we, it's not something that we earned. We can't boast about that, but it is a gift from you. I pray you just remind us of that today as we go out here, as we interact with a world that is so messed up.
and is so broken. Lord, help us to be ultimate examples of, of grace and love and hospitality. Father, we remember today, we know that we, we live in a world that is broken. I, it's hard for me to imagine. It's been 21 years, Lord, since, since uh, terrorists attacked our country. I can't even hear the words September 11th without thinking about that day. And yet, I still, in 21 years, still see as much hurt and as pain as ever. I pray that you would continue to heal our nation and that you would be with those around the world, believers around the world today, that you would help us all to be that city on a hill, that light in the world, a hope for the lost and the broken. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for being here today, guys. So glad to see you. We'll see you next Sunday.